Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss OSHA, EPA, safety policy, safety training, employee engagement, and everything in between. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It's a motivational need. It's a means of engaging your team. Safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone in the organization. Hi, I'm your host for the podcast, Dr. Mark French, also known as The Safety Dude. As a certified safety professional and nationally registered EMT, I am excited to share my knowledge and passion from experience in environmental health, safety, security, and human resources. I've worked in the automotive, foods, chemical, nuclear, and e-commerce fields. I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode as we talk through the current issues in environmental health and safety and how they can affect the culture of your organization. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. So happy you could join me this week as we talk through all those things, safety and how it affects us out here in the real world as we're doing it. One of the uh, things we've been talking about in the first part of the podcast is COVID-19 and how that is really changing the landscape of how we're having to do safety. And um, I've been really thinking and read this article that got me even thinking further of the complications that have been created because of COVID-19. And so OSHA not only handles the complaints about workplace safety. So they're handling all these complaints that are coming in about, we don't have enough respirators or we don't have the opportunity to socially distance or all the other complaints that are coming in because of COVID-19, but not only COVID-19, but they're still handling their normal caseload also. And so they started looking, this one came out of uh, the Northeast, a newspaper article came out looking at whistleblower claims and illegal retaliation from whistleblower. And that's something that OSHA has been tasked with also, that they've handed that over to them um, as part of their program because they get a lot of whistleblower claims that there's safety issues and so if you're terminated because you made a claim, that's illegal. You can't do that. So if someone is fired because they have made a claim saying that I feel unsafe here because of COVID and then suddenly there's a retaliatory either disciplinary action or behaviors or termination, then that's illegal. And OSHA gets handed that to investigate And so this article said from February to May, there has been a 30% increase in complaints in that same period from the year before, from 2019. So they're handling their normal caseload up to that point. And suddenly there's the huge boom of COVID-19 complaints. And now there's a huge boom or already has been and will continue to be whistleblower complaints. So they're saying that the federal OSHA received around 4,100 complaints, 4,000 complaints of illegal retaliation uh, for whistleblowers that were trying to talk about and say something about COVID-19 at their workplace. That's astronomical. So that's a lot of people out there that are saying that, hey, I was terminated because I raised my hand and I said something was wrong here because we're not handling it the right way. 
Now, are all whistleblower claims true? No, of course not. Um, This is a two-sided issue, of course. There are those that are terminated for the correct reasons, and they turn it around and say, no, it was because I was whistleblowing. But then on the other hand, there's the real ones, the ones that do really bring up an issue about COVID-19 or any other safety issue. And then they are terminated because of that. And that's the items that we need people investigating. We need quick assurances that things will change, that we're going to fix it. So that's a scary number because OSHA was already pretty well behind. I mean, they were having trouble keeping up cuts and personnel issues. And so even with their normal workload, they weren't getting around to everything they should. And now it just continues to pile on. And we keep yelling for new laws. We keep saying, hey, let's let's do more to give laws out there. But we'd have no way of enforcing it because we don't have enough people. We don't have enough funding to go and do that. And those that are in the role, I mean, they're doing all they can to keep up with everything they're getting. And so you say, okay, now they're looking at, we have so many complaints about how do we go and evaluate all these COVID complaints. And then you, on top of that, these whistleblower claims. And instead of more laws, why don't we get some funding out there for them? Why don't we do a mass hiring? Why don't we look at the private sector and can we contract some people in just temporarily to get through these claims? Maybe have a task force just dedicated to these items and hire them in for a year, a contract work of, of maybe some independent consultants that can come in and clear this out and give recommendations. Maybe they can't do the full extent of the law. Maybe they can at least get through the ones that are need more investigative work or maybe those that are clearly or at least review paperwork or something. They need help and they don't need more laws. They need more help. They need more funding. And that's disturbing because we keep seeing these increases, huge, huge increases. And we know this is temporary. We really do know this as as a safety professional. I know this is temporary because eventually we're going to get ahead of it. We are going to learn from this. We are going to get better from this, but as far as this, this huge increase and kind of like flattening the curve when they talked about medical cases as a safety professional and for OSHA, they need to flatten the curve. They can't handle the caseload. And and just like we equipped our hospitals with more people, more ventilators, more beds, maybe we need this a short term help for our OSHA people, uh, state and federal. They need help getting through all this because this is huge right now. And there's a lot, and it's going to take them a while to get through it all. They need some help. And so, again, I'm not a proponent of more laws here because I think the laws we have can be effective until we understand this better. I think we need some time to look back at this and see what was really effective because we have things we know right now, like the PPE laws, bloodborne pathogen law. We can use those to guide us. So with that, We can take time to use what we have, but we need people to do it right now. Um, We need some help out there getting through these because that's a lot. That's a lot of work for them. 
And so that's just amazing. And so, yeah, there, there's actually another in the law review. They cover the same thing that there are so many whistleblower claims and the audits are showing that they just don't have enough people They're They're trying to do a pilot program to see if they can increase efficiency, but what they, they really need it sooner because that's something that just needs more assistance. And then as we look into the medical front, lots of uh, nurses union coming forward saying, Hey, you, you got to get us the right stuff. You've got to get us some PPE. You've got to get us the ability to not be overworked, especially because how are we cross-contaminating? How are we doing shift work? And so complaints there coming out, and I think those are going to continue to come out because we've really, really ex- ex- overextended our medical community in those that we we want out there handling that issue and you can only do that for so long you can only put forth that extra willpower for so long and i think that's one of the great articles that i've enjoyed from the apa and there's been a lot of studies on that about willpower and that's an exhaustible resource you have so much willpower every day every week every month it compounds but you have so much effort in you and you can give it all in a burst like a sprint or you can give it all in that marathon that we do or you can do like little little quick bursts here and there but eventually that willpower runs out and we've got to refill it and i think a lot of employers forget that they forget the fact that when you're doing all this extra work, then, oh man, for that short period of time, I got a lot of extra work out of people. Well, why can't I expect that kind of performance all the time? You can't. So if you've asked extra work out of your team, if you rallied them to a cause and they're having to put a ton of extra effort into it, like, like COVID, we have been putting a ton of extra effort. These nurses, these doctors have been just amazing and putting forth this extra effort. And now they're wearing out. That willpower is starting to wane. And they, they've been asking for We've been patient. Now it's time for you guys to help us out. We need our PPE. We need the better scheduling. We need the better protections in place so that we can do these things that you need us to do. But this can't be the new normal of how we operate because it's too much. We need that extra help. And so that willpower, that exhaustible resource is disappearing. And I think that's where, and here's just philosophy that believe it, take it for (laughs) my two cents, I guess. But we see sometimes in the business industry where they ask for, for people to rally around a cause and they take very short term data and use that very short term data to set a new baseline of what the expectation should be. And that's not the way that works. If you rally someone to a cause and you get them to put forth that extra effort for to, to achieve that cause, you can't take that data as the new normal because you've asked people to exhaust extra willpower. You've kind of put the pedal down on your car. You're burning more gas. Instead of that normal cruise control, just keeping it normal. I, can, I know how far I can get at this speed. 
you're asking them to really put it down. And they're burning that fuel. And they're running low. And we can't expect that all the time. And see, here we see this. We've asked a lot. They've performed amazing. Now they need that help. And so I know that's going to be something we'll continue to see. And really continue to see how we evolve that. And how we, the safety professionals, help those in the medical industry. More podcasts coming up in just a moment. TSD Amalgamated, your partner in safety consulting. Find them on the web at tsdamalgamated.com. With over 15 years of experience in various industries, setting up ISO, TS, and RC systems, the professional team at TSD Amalgamated is ready to help you take your safety program to that next level. TSD Amalgamated is skilled in technical and behavioral auditing, from training employees on OSHA compliance standards to helping your leadership team see how safety can help drive real organizational change. TSD Amalgamated is there to be your partner. Their process is not a fill-in-the-blank policy or training process. They want to know your team, your needs, and create processes that create total organizational ownership. TSD Amalgamated, where do you want your safety programs to take you? www.tsdamalgamated.com Welcome back to the second half of the podcast this week. Again, happy you joined me. And so as we go into the second half, looking at an audit that was performed, this was a, a major metropolitan area. And there was a, they hired a consultant to look at their, basically their public transit program and the safety processes in their public transit and if things were, were safe. And this independent consultant came back with a report that was not good. Not good at all. And it seems that even though they've had constant investigations in this in this major metropolitan of the U.S., even though they've had um, other audits, they've not listened to any of them. And so, <laughs> first of all, it blows my mind that we will spend public money to conduct investigations, to conduct private sector, so consultant programs to evaluate safety and then not listen to them. Just not do it. Eh. And and continue to operate as normal. But this is more than just safety. I mean, this is like the, they looked at the culture of safety. And I think that's what's really grabbed my attention here. And they actually put in here that it's a chaotic, toxic workplace culture that people who bring up safety risks, so they bring up issues, either personnel safety or transit safety. Now, this is public safety. This is everyone that rides any public transportation, the safety there, that when a safety issue is brought up, that there's harassment unprofessional behavior to manipulate the investigations to make it seem like it's not that bad to wordsmith it to make it seem that it's really not that great or not that great of a risk now certainly as a safety professional we want to convey accurate information and that's something that i see both ways when writing incident reports i've 
years and years of writing incident reports across various types of industries. And there can be inflammatory remarks both ways. You can make it sound like it really wasn't that big of a deal, or you can take something and really blow it out of proportion. And I think you have to find that fine art of telling people exactly what happened with just the facts. We are not trying to sell this incident report. I'm not trying to get it on the news to get advertising dollars. I'm trying to write an incident report that accurately represents what happened. And a good incident report should also have, what am I doing to contain it so it doesn't happen again right now? And then what am I doing to prevent it? What are the long-term actions I am working on for my organization, for my entire business unit that is going to make sure this is prevented? What have we learned? And so a good incident report does those things, and it does more than that. But those are the three main things that it's focused on. And the first one is, did we accurately write the the incident report? So there are times that you you sometimes read an incident report that's been written and you fix it or you go and investigate it further and you get more accurate information for it, either to show that it was worse than what it was or to show it really wasn't as bad as what it sounded. And so that happens. But here, reading through this one, that's not one of those examples. This is one of those that no matter what it was, downplay it. Make sure it does not seem that. And so anyone who came forward with any issues were coerced through various methods to not make it seem that way. And so there was other incidents that were happening that the items were being fixed. And this is a huge issue that if you, this creates that toxic culture because then no one talks and then you have safety issues that when the big thing happens, you have those people on the news that are saying, I told them, I knew this was going to happen. And that's not what you want. You don't want a bunch of people coming forward going, oh yeah, we tried to tell them. But here, evidently, there's a number of reports. There's a the number of issues that have, people have been threatened uh, for asking too many questions or trying to follow the procedures. And so that's unfortunate. And that's very, very scary in any industry. I was very fortunate to work in some organizations that were governed by by uh, government entities that really had an open policy that if you could report on yourself, you were better than them catching you. And you had to have a very, very open employee program. And I think that taught me a lot about having to listen and really decipher, understand, and, and categorize how these things and how to handle them. Like, what is, like, okay, you that's a big deal. We got to go get that. Or, okay, we can put that on the list. Or, you know, that's not going to be something we're going to work on. That's not something we need. But when you read this and you think that, okay, we have been told, we've been investigated, and nothing is happening, what does that say to your employees? What does that say to the nation now that it's in the news? That was, and I'm surprised this hasn't really gotten further out. I kind of had to do some digging or it really wasn't something that was, it caught my attention because of the, the culture part of the title. And when I went into the news story, it seems a lot more serious than what I'm really seeing because this is like just one little news snippet that popped out. So very, something that we should be focused on 
And something as a safety professional to question, and I don't think we ever get perfect here because we can be good, but it's something I'm always working on, is how do you make sure that you're getting the data you need? That the people who are really seeing the issues that could be the the oh-no moments are talking to you and letting you know there's an oh-no moment coming. And if it's a workplace that maybe has had a bad culture for a while and you're coming in to fix that culture or you're trying to make that turn around or you're trying to turn that corner. Good for you. That's really tough to do. So sometimes it's easier to start with that blank slate versus that the ones that have seen it go wrong because you have to really, really work hard to earn that trust back. And that takes time. And sometimes we don't have time, especially if things are going wrong. So switching gears entirely here, another news story I came across, and I've talked about this before, and it's one of my pet peeves. It's something that really bothers me, and this was fairly close to where I live. Um, I guess we would call it country neighbors, um, pretty rural. So if I was to able to walk across a bunch of fields, this isn't far from me, but when having to find roads that would get me there, it's actually further, but that's why it caught my eye. But Unfortunately, there was a contract employee that was killed at a factory. They were doing work there as part of a construction project or renovation, and something happened. And that's all we know, because the local news, all they reported was that, okay, to, uh, the, the OSHA, local OSHA was called because of this fatality, and that's it. And what's so bad, that was almost seven, eight days ago. And so I've continued to look for news every day because that caught my eye because it's fairly local to me and nothing can't find any information. And that bothers me because someone losing their life at work should not be just a blurb on the news. There should be something more. We should try to get more information. Our news agencies should really dive into that. This should not be one of those things that becomes normal so nobody wants to read it. This is something we need to take stock in. This is something we have to work on. And fatalities are no safety professional wants to go through that. But if there's something we can learn from it, I know there'll be an investigation and there'll be information, but that's going to be a year from now. But I think it deserved more than just a blurb. I think there should have been a follow-up or some additional information or something. Maybe even if it's two, three days later, when you get a little bit more information and try to understand and offer something. And again, I, one of the things that I don't like getting into the news, finding something that piques my interest or something that is close to home and, and again, make safety real. Not that I don't think it's real, but that it, it, it pulls on those heartstrings again. It's something that makes it, again, real to us. And that's part of what's tough in the safety profession is that sometimes we, we're always talking about risk and sometimes we don't see that risk ever come to fruition because we've done our job. And then there's something that happens that reminds us that we're doing, we're doing a lot. And I just think that deserves more than just that. It deserves some additional information. It deserves some additional follow-up. It, it deserves something. So as we close out this episode of the podcast, it is um, a lot of farmland around me, um, a lot of farmers working, 
thank you for that work for sure. That's uh, amazingly hard work, underappreciated, but absolutely necessary. And they're talking that this year, especially up in the Midwest, that this year's grain is wetter. It's a little different than most other grain. And so it's being held longer because of prices. So we're holding more in containers. It's a little bit different type of grain. I don't fully understand that, but I understand it enough to see it here. And that it has a higher engulfment hazard because we're holding more, different consistency. So if you're out there and you're holding grain in a bin and you're sending someone into that bin, invest in some fall protection and retrieval equipment, please. You don't want to lose someone in there. It's not something that you, you can't just dig someone out. You can't just jump in after them. You've got to have a retrieval system. So I really do. If you're, if you're out there and you know someone like that, I just, I ask, I beg of you, invest in a good retrieval system. It looks like this year could be one of those years that could be tough for us for, for that reason that we're going to hold on to more grain. It's going to be a different wetter mixture of grain. So a little bit higher content potential for engulfment. And that's according to this um, this article here talking about the potential for risk here. So I do ask, take time, invest in that equipment. And until next time we chat, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the internet at www.thesafetydude.org or on Twitter at TheSafetyDude. As always, all opinions are my own and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. I always encourage you to learn more about safety regulations and examine the facts with your unique perspective. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast.